Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now, this is Afternoon Pancakes episode 26 my name is jared malott i'm here with my friend stephen reed merry christmas happy new year how you doing today brother i'm doing well today i have merry christmas happy new year to you too uh it is now officially draft season draft so, hashtag draft season baby yeah it was officially draft season back after the new orleans loss mm-hmm. however we now know where the Colts are going to pick in the 2020 NFL draft or where they're currently slotted. Not necessarily where they're actually picked, but where they're currently slotted. Lucky number 13. Yes. Yeah. 13. That's well. The interesting thing is like a lot of fans said that though they, the Colts should lose to Carolina and then they should also lose to, uh, to Jacksonville to try and increase the draft positioning. But when you look at where it breaks down, had they lost to Carolina, and mm-hmm. obviously they did lose to Jacksonville this week, which we'll get into later. Yeah. But had they lost to Carolina, they would have only moved up two to three spots. And so, you know, not I'd rather worth. have had them win. Uh, you know, and make not necessarily I would rather have them win because those two or three spots can be very valuable. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you got to see a lot of really great, great things from the team uh, against Carolina that they haven't necessarily gotten an opportunity to show. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we weren't able to, to get a podcast last week because of, because of Christmas and the holidays yeah. and everything. Uh, we're able to, to work it out this week. And so, yeah, we're excited to get, get to talk about everything here today. Absolutely. So obviously <clears throat> we could sit and spin our tires on the Carolina game. Uh, but I think that's far enough in the rear view that it's fair to say season is over. We can look at yeah. uh, the, the one last. Here, let me let me throw in this one thing real quick. Do you? Boo-boo. So the one thing I want to throw in about the Carolina game is that Naheem Himes basically just knocked Justin Rogers off the roster mm-hmm. um, with that game. Because we all saw it. And we saw that Naheem Himes had just a fantastic game as a punt returner. Um, mm-hmm. We've been begging the Colts to put somebody out other than Chester Rogers back there, because despite the fact that Chester Rogers had a good you know, yards per return average, um, a relatively good one. I, I don't know actually where it ranks up to everybody else in the league, uh, but he kept making really poor decisions with right. the ball, whether he would field it, whether he would fair catch it, uh, whether he would run, you know, to let it go. It was, it was always just kind of a head scratcher and yeah. you know, it, you never like to see a guy get hurt. Uh, and you never like to see that, that happen to a guy that the Colts felt was a, a good quality part of the, their team. But at the same time, it gave Naheem Hines that, 
that opportunity and he grabbed it by the cojones and he ran with it. Oh yeah. And I think that his suddenness and his quickness and, and the work that he did last offseason really, really showed through. And Chester Rogers, realistically, the only reason he was on this roster is because one, they were without their top three wide receivers for half the late half the year, um, if not more. Uh, because if you remember, Dries Fountain got hurt preseason, and he was going to be a, a pretty good shoe-in to make the roster. Chester Rogers was there on that bubble, and one of the big things that saved him was his punt return ability. Now, if you've got a guy like Naheem Hines that can take that over from him, I don't think that there's there's really a spot on this roster for a, a player like Chester Rogers when you've got a guy like Marcus Johnson that is a better quality receiver mm-hmm. than Chester Rogers. And you've got a guy like Zach Pascal who is quickly and deservedly becoming a fan favorite at the wide receiver position. Yeah. So the game against Carolina will forever be known as the Naheem Hines game, right? So two. I don't rep- remember anything out, uh, outside of that. I think that couldn't was really tell you what happened. happened. Yeah. That was the How only to... thing that actually happened in the game. <laughs> Outside of, I, I think I that was when I started actually posting on Twitter instead of retweeting and replying, where I said the difference between Naheem Hines and everyone else on this roster is that every time he touches the ball in an open field, it's like he's shot out of a cannon. And uh, yeah, that was about the most memorable uh, couple plays from the entire month of December. Uh, which was pretty this might awful. Have been the only memorable place for the month of December for the Colts. <laughs> well, um, how sad is that? Darius Leonard had a couple interceptions. Um, yeah, but you like remember, like Darius Leonard has so many interceptions because he is so good throughout yeah. the year. I think he he's got to be close to the lead leaguer or the lead leader at interceptions for a linebacker. With five, he has five or six on the season. Mm-hmm. I think um, the next closest only has two. Yeah, like he's such he's such a. Uh, a fantastic a dynamic you, football player yeah you expect it from him like outside of leonard like i don't think i can come up with a bigger play through december than the two punt return touchdowns right because right. you know other than like plays that went against the colts like you know the tennessee blocking that field goal on like december 1st and running it back for a touchdown that effectively you know, kind of crushed the Colts' hopes there because had they won that game, they were all by themselves in first place, I believe, in the AFC South. Like, I remember the uh, during the during the game this weekend, the uh, broadcast put up a kind of a tracker of where each team stood in the AFC South through the quarters of the season. And we, we talk about this is how you break the season up into quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, your first four games, next four games, you know, games nine through 12, and then games 13 through through 16. And to see the Colts placements after week 12 as the top seed in the AFC South and see them fall all the way back to, to third, um, only being a game up on Jacksonville in the end or a game or two up on Jacksonville in the end was really kind of disheartening because they were in <laughs> – first or second throughout each of those graphics and like you get to week 12 and you're like all right we're rolling you know we're in first place this is great you know we're we're right here we're right where we want to be and then all of a sudden the the bottom just like the rug gets pulled out and they're going what did what just happened 
And I think that's how all of us Colts fans kind of felt the last yeah. like eight weeks of the season. You know, the they went what like they they were terrible, and it, it was it was really frustrating. And I can't blame the refs today, which is right even more infuriating. Yeah, because you re- you really never want to hari kari, right? When you're when you you're a fan of the Colts and you're talking about the Colts, you always want to point to extraneous factors. So I'm a, I am a, not a victim of that, but I did that this year. I did not I, I say think we all do that, though. Mean, but I, I frequently want to point out injuries, the inefficiency of uh, the refereeing, uh, which are valid. So I'm not taking away my own validity. I'm saying like, hey yeah. – at times, the, refer- the referees appeared to affect the outcome of games with bad calls. And it wasn't just the Colts. It wasn't just it the was NFL. at a it, crazy level that they did this year. Yeah, the, the refereeing in, in college football in the NFL is the worst I have ever seen it. And I, this comes from someone that watches a minimum of two college football games a week. And I probably watch five NFL yeah, games a week. Day five or six out on a weekend. Yeah. But so, and like the crazy thing last night, or um, on Sunday night, that game. Did you watch the the San Francisco Seattle game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. third and one call, or the the third and goal call, where uh, we, we talked about it afterwards. Uh, or yeah. we we went back and forth on it on Twitter afterwards. Yeah. Um, but that third third and goal call where the San Francisco linebacker grabbed and covered and tackled the guy. It was eerily reminiscent to the uh saints vikings or the uh the saints game saints rams game last year Mm -hmm. the reason that that rule got in place was that play right (laughs) and and throughout the entire season al riveron and the nfl have said you know we're not going to we're not going to overturn a call unless if it substantially you know affects the outcome of the game or they, they would always come up with a different wiggle room standard and i'm sorry the guy never had a shot to catch the ball because the defender was draped on top of him and it was obvious even in real time we're going all right that's a flag right and then they slow it down in replay and you're like oh that's really a flag and then they don't even review it and i'm going that was this exact call is the reason they put this in and you just cost a team, you just cost Seattle a home playoff game. Mm-hmm. You just cost Green Bay the biggest home field advantage they could have possibly ever had. Right. And you just cost New Orleans the uh, number two seed. Right. And so it was just, it blew my mind that the NFL didn't even review it. Right. Because, like I said, that's the reason that they, that, that call. Yeah. Especially That's when right. it's like a the last week of the last game of the, the, the uh, regular last season game of the regular season. <laughs> you yeah. think by then you'd have gotten it right, right? Where Ten, was... like twelve seconds left in the last game of the regular season, <laughs> you can't say that that is not a more meaningful time to implement that rule and get it right. And yet Al Riveron is just saying it's just sitting on his hands and going na 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 na. I want I don't want you to have this rule, so I'm not gonna I wanna make it more controversial for you that these things 
get reviewed and don't get overturned or don't get reviewed at all, then actually do my job right. and review it and get the call right because I want you to take it out because I don't agree with you of ever putting it in. And that like little like childish mantra that Riveron has come up with is just absolutely mind blowing that the NFL goes along with it. I think there's there I think they're gonna keep the role this year, but I do think they're gonna revamp the replay process and make it a, a two out of three situation because having one guy be the one that makes that decision is not is not gonna work. And well, Al, Al so Riveron, a... his behavior this season is proof that absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Like, yeah. the guy was a, an official forever and finally gets off the field and gets a, gets a, a big, gets a cushy yeah. desk yeah. job and uh, decides that he'll single-handedly affect outcomes of games without actually having to attend them. Um, I find it... I find it kind of asinine in the age of technology where sports are trying to catch up that we'd go so far as to implement a a sort of replay confirmation system. Uh, You do it for scoring plays. Uh, You make a call, don't make a call. There's an obvious call on the field. It can be corrected right then and there on the spot. We have the technology to do it. It's not beyond us. And to continue to allow human error where there doesn't need to be human error is just mind. It's just like you said, it's mind numbing. Like what, what is the purpose of the review system? If you're going to ignore the outcomes it produces, it's almost as though, as though they're, they're saying, uh, we trust human decision making over like AI, right? Or like uh, over video evidence. On the contrary, um, but I guess that's that's part of the system we live in. So I want it was curtailing my initial point, uh, saying I sat here on this podcast and I've said things uh, that after I said them, it was confirmed by other sources. So it's not like I'm the only person here. That for a period this year, I thought Jacoby was playing at a high level. Now that it's draft season, and now that I can stomach it, I've gone back and started to watch the All-22 for every game. And I'm afraid that... You've come to the dark side. (laughs) Um, Here's what I will say. We had the 10th best quarterback in the NFL last year on an upswing, meaning like if Andrew Luck hadn't retired, I expect that if he would have been able to play all 16 games, he would be on an upward trajectory. His prime, if you, if those are words you actually use, I'm sorry for you. Uh, but uh, we were told Jacoby Brissett is a top 20 NFL quarterback. And I'm happy to tell you, Literally looking at the math, Jacoby is the 19th overall rated quarterback in the NFL. So we went from the 10th best quarterback on an upswing to the 19th on a clear downswing. And here's what I'll tell you. Jacoby's play got worse over the course of the season and bottomed out in December. 
Uh, I don't have another nice way to put it. I don't know that person uh, personally, uh, and I do not have any harsh things to say other than the same things I've been saying lately, which are, first, uh, appearances can be deceiving. Second, um, the bright lights will get to you. Um, I've talked about it prior. I don't probably come off as someone that gets nervous easily, but in the last couple of months, I've gotten an interview, Pat McAfee and Eric Ebron, and my teeth were chattering, and I was kind of, even even in the moment, beside myself, thinking like, why are you nervous? This is something that you've always wanted to do. You're probably going to be really good at this. You just got knuckle up, right? Grit your teeth, get through your questions, try to, you know, try to rub elbows, man. Try to try to be funny. Try to make it so that you've got a, a, a future in this. And I can kind of level with Jacoby in that when you finally get the opportunity and you go two and six on the road, um, when your completion percentage drops below 60%, when you're uh, you're more likely to run the football on the road as a quarterback that is not considered a mobile quarterback on the road than at home. It tells me that in the moment when it matters, I don't think Jacoby makes the correct decision. That's a problem. It's it starts with your decision making, and, and part of it it seems like he holds on to the ball a lot. Yeah, which I would consider like a lack of confidence. Uh, I would call that like he doesn't trust what he's cons- seeing. He's being too conservative with the football, and it's reminiscent. And I get it. I'm comparing black quarterbacks, but that's not why I'm bringing him up. The reason that Terod Taylor got replaced by Baker Mayfield, and I'm saying this about as plainly as I can so say he it. Held on to the ball forever. Terod Taylor lacked confidence, and literally, it was like. He couldn't believe what his eyes were showing him, so he was notorious for second-guessing himself and holding on to the ball too long and trying to make plays, playing, making plays with his feet. But here's what I'll also say: Jacoby Brissett is not as good of an athlete as Terod Taylor, and so if you have a similar play style and decision-making in the clutch, but you're a lesser athlete than a guy who got replaced by Baker frickin' Mayfield. It's it's pretty readily apparent that Jacoby is probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL, and I can say that with full confidence. But as far yeah. as what I look at, when I when I look at a starting quarterback in the NFL, first things first, most NFL quarterbacks, and if you go you go do your research, I did my research. Most of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, first of all, had a number one wide receiver all year long. Drew Brees, Ryan Tannehill even. Look at the guys at the top. Understand that their playmakers were widely available. Understand that Jacoby did not inherit a, a powerful offense. He inherited a great offensive line that struggles still in pass protection. He inherited a stable of good running backs he has probably the best and most complete tight end room in the league, if not for Eric Ebron going on IR after making a business decision. 
And then the cupboard was bare at wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton gets hurt. Devin Funches did not play a game, or he played part of a game. Uh, Paris Campbell, their second-round draft pick, didn't play much. Um, and then Paris Campbell missed like nine games on the season, and T.Y. Hilton uh, missed six. Season, and he only played like a Spain. handful of snaps in the games that he played because he was always coming back from injury. So in addition to going from Andrew Luck to Jacoby, I also want to make sure that I point out the defense took a backslide uh, when I thought that the defense would go the other direction. And I'm going by the numbers. Last year, the Colts were right in the middle of the league, about 16th in total defense, and I did my research, so don't question that. But this year, they're 22nd. They're young. They had at least three new starters that are rookies. And I, while I appreciate what Justin Houston brought, the sack percentage for the Colts went up 0.3%. So it's almost as if we tried to mask our problems when our biggest problem was you lost a generational talent at the most important position on the field and replaced him with a backup, uh, premier backup level quarterback and then stripped him of all of his playmakers. And then you basically put the game plan on the table for your opponents by re-signing Jack Doyle to a long-term contract. He played horrifically in the passing game after that. And I think it's because defenders, when they're looking for bulletin board material, they go, Jack Doyle is basically the only healthy pass catcher the Colts have outside of Naheem Hines. So if we can shut down Mac and then key on... Uh, uh, I just lost it. Jack Doyle and Naheem Hines, when they're in, we can limit their effectiveness. This is a this is a systemic problem. So it's not just Jacoby. It's Jacoby showed you what all your problems were, where Andrew Luck's play elevates everyone around him. It's almost as if he's in the same vein as Peyton freaking Manning, man. So the See, Colts had to... Good. What with with Brissett, the so I'm handing you go over a bunch of numbers and stuff. Yeah. And T. Y. Hilton, what he got injured after the Denver game, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So. Or in the Denver game. No, it was in practice. Oh yeah, it was in practice. It was right. in practice uh, leading it. I think it was leading into Pittsburgh. Um, because I remember. I, a bunch of people asked me for fantasy advice. I'm like, what do you think? What will have to happen with T.Y. Hilton? I was like, I don't know. I saw that somebody said that they might get put on IR. That would be surprising. Right. But yeah. So the passing averages uh, in the NFL this year, um, in 2019, the average yards passing uh, on any given team is 235 yards. And the I look at the first eight games or first seven games of the season when Jacoby had TY. So he had a legitimate number one wide receiver mm-hmm. in those games. And I think we can all agree with that. So his touchdowns, it's great. It's 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. We all know everybody has cited that stat at nausea yeah. uh, when talking about the first seven games of the season. Um, the 
and, and let me throw in there the the completion percentage average is 63.5 percent so i look at the games uh those first seven games kind of a barometer sure and in four of those seven games jacoby Brissett did not throw over 235 yards and three three the three games that he did he threw for 310 against atlanta 360 265 against oakland and 326 against Houston. Houston, he had a, just a massive game against a divisional opponent. It was a huge win. Yes. Uh, similarly, one, two, three, four. He had four games, not the same games, oddly enough, where he had less than 63.5 completion percentage. But the average touchdown uh, percentage is, Chicago Reset was far and above that touchdown percentage. Right. Uh, based on touchdown interception ratio. And so even when he did have T.Y., he was still average, in my opinion. And it was one of those things where, and again, you and I talked about this. I started you know, raising alarms at, after the Oakland game, I think, where I said, I'm... I, I'm yeah, I think I we had, that was the it. argument. That was the argument episode where you were saying, Jared... He's missing open receivers 15 plus yards down the field with no one on them that should be in his line of sight. Like he he should be able to see Zach Pascal on this play where he runs the vertical from the slot and he just happens to break a little outside. The safety came up and the cornerback went with the outside receiver. He just throws that ball over his head and it's a touchdown and he missed it. And, you know, and again, that was when I was kind of saying like, hey, he's he's getting used to the role. I feel like he's taken advantage of situations uh, when they've been presented with, you know, clear and present uh, opportunities where, where you're like, this is a gimme. Uh, good field position is a start. But to co-opt your point, Jacoby Brissett, 29th in the NFL in yards per game at 196.1. Um I will say that that is sort of a meaningless stat to me. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not I'm not as sold on it because you take in the last the last eight games and saying you know after that MCL injury it really did change him in terms of his style of play and I think we all saw that yeah it made him a flight risk faltered yeah well and it you're right like it did it made him a bit of a flight risk in that he wasn't he wasn't sure trusting himself anymore and he wasn't going to step into throws like he should and you saw it throughout the season especially after the pittsburgh game but at the same time you go all right well if he's not if he's not 100 percent, why do you have him out there like because you didn't have anyone else that you could trust what about not, chad kelly no hey, i'm just joking you know, by the way now listen, I, I, now i'm just joking everybody everybody <laughs> loves chad kelly I am just messing oh my God. with people that's that the, I do that, not want to see most, Chad the Kelly. Question I, got more, I got more questions about Chad Kelly than about Jacoby. People are like, why not give him a shot? And I tried to figure out, like, why? Why are you asking about someone that has little to no tape of them? being remotely successful against starting level NFL players. And I'll even go back to the preseason when he did play, you know what he reminded me of Jacoby Brissett 
with an extra step. Like, he's a touch more athletic than Jacoby, but his decision-making is, like, on par or worse. So it would be, like... um, Well, and, like, Jacoby Brissett played well against third and fourth stringers. Yeah, that's why he got to start. started Chad Kelly. Chad (laughs) Kelly's got a little extra gear. Like, Jacoby Brissett is not a runner. Like, he is not a running quarterback. He doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the agility. Chad Kelly has those things or has that extra gear that Brissett doesn't. But other than that, they're really similar players in, in their style. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe Chad Kelly, like, lets it rip a little bit, uh, trusts himself a little bit more in the situation because he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Let's just see what happens. And Brissett's a little bit more calm because he came from that New England style and he's a little bit more methodical in his approach, which, yeah. you know, works for him i guess but doesn't appear to work for the colts as well um but yeah the, like my frustrating thing with with Brissett is this weekend he gave us all the answers that we needed but it just led to more questions <laughs> and that's that's my takeaway from, from jacoby Brissett is he gave us all the answers and we just have more questions now like he gave us the answer that he's not in my opinion the long-term franchise starting quarterback, you know, contrary to Booger McFarland, um, in his opinion on, I just oh, don't come see... on who brings up Booger McFarland <laughs> expects to have any sort of credibility. No, well, that's I get, why I, I bring I, it up I, is because I, I it's to dispute his credibility. Um, but <laughs> you know, I, I it, give, it begs the question, what is Chris Ballard going to do? Is he going to sign or acquire a, a veteran quarterback as a bridge? Um, is he going to go with Brissett in 2020? Is he going to look to the draft? Is he going to trade up? Because we've seen that in in this past draft that he will trade up for a player and overpay if he wants that guy. Right. He did it for Kyrie Willis in the fourth round where I, we, I, I want to say that we talked about something like this, but I know for a fact I talked about it on Twitter where I said that's a really big – amount to give up he gave up two fourth round picks to move up to the front of the fourth round to take Kyrie Willis and I said why not just stay there and take this guy or this other guy because you know you're but probably he ended up being value. right right uh, well no well I was questioning like, he ended be up being right because it seems like Chris Ballard's always right um when he makes draft day trades or trades involving draft picks um but at the same time, I'm like, you know, why, why move up? Now, it, it tells you that when he does want a player, he's going to go up and get him. And uh-huh. he's going to get him even if he overpays a little bit. And that's one of those things where you're like, all right, you know, let's, I guess, let's see what, what happens. So a lot of people are going to be saying, hey, Colts need uh, to draft a quarterback in this class. And I was thinking about how – so immediately my brain my brain on the whole season has been like, I'm not drafting a quarterback in the first round because I have more pressing needs. Uh, and now I'm starting to kind of turn away from that and say, ugh, the best option. So I'm just going to throw this out there. That way we can get it out of the way. So I'm, I'm agreeing now, draft a quarterback, do whatever you can do to get one. The best quarterback – the Colts could possibly acquire that is currently in the NFL, according to data, 
which doesn't care about your feelings, is Derek Carr. There's he's 28, completed 70 percent of that his makes passes. Me upset in my stomach. That is the best quarterback in the NFL this does year. Does Carr not have a Does Carr not have a uh, 100.8 rating? No, but does he not have a, uh, a year left with with Oakland? Uh, well, my thought process has and will remain that yeah, John Gruden's that, that Gruden volatile. Doesn't want him. Yeah, Gruden doesn't want him. He's somebody you could move. You could probably get him for like I don't know one of your second round picks because that's how that's what they evaluate Derek Carr at. But <clears throat> Derek Carr is an accurate passer, uh, and in I think in the right offense, uh, he's probably more confident in his throws than Jacoby is. And the data supports that. So that alone, and I get when people are like, Oh no, Derek Carr. No. Yes. Listen, the best quarterback the Colts could hope to acquire, which does not, doesn't mean it's possible or probable or likely is Derek Carr. The rest of the quarterbacks rated above him, right? And the quarterbacks between Derek Carr and Jacoby. So that's, uh, 10th, 9th in the NFL to 19th, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Gardner Minshew, Case Keenum, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott. You're not getting any of those players. So here's, here's if you're looking to, that's what I meant. Like if you're looking to improve from Jacoby with a current NFL quarterback, in my opinion, the only quarterback that is better than Jacoby statistically and possibly available is Derek Carr. Meaning, No, not only no, hell no, we're not doing that. We need to draft a quarterback. Go ahead. So the the free agency market in quarterbacks actually is kind of odd mm-hmm. um, because you've got Tom Brady. I mean, let's be real. He's re-signing with the Patriots or retiring. Um, he and Jacoby right, he had the same rating this year. Yeah, well, I don't want Tom Brady, period. I don't want him either. I don't care. But then you've got Ryan Tannehill, who – is surprisingly been good this season. Marcus Mariota, surprised, unsurprisingly been bad. Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, Case Keenum, uh, Dak Prescott, Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, James Winston, and Blake Bortles. And those are all free agents this year. And that doesn't include guys that could be cut. I'm getting this from pro football uh, talk right okay. now, just kind of a, a runoff of, of the guys that might be available. So then they, they list uh, also uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Josh Rosen, both with the Dolphins, uh, Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Joe Flacco, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, if he doesn't play well in the playoffs, Cam Newton, and Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he doesn't play well in the playoffs, which I think is a farce. I don't even know why they're on the Jimmy right. G's on that list. Um, but if I'm going to sit there and trade for a quarterback right now and, and say – you know, looking at the draft the draft order as of right now, the Colts picking 13th, it actually puts them in a pretty decent spot. Um, but there are going to be at least Cincinnati needs a quarterback. Yep. Miami. So Cincinnati is taking Joe Burrow. They absolutely that's, are. That's Would that beyond a shadow have, of a doubt? Yeah. You might He's Ohio's that, that only window. son, right? Yeah. Once when that window closes for underclassmen to declare – they might as well just come out and say we're taking Joe Burrow so he doesn't have to train at all right. in the offseason and risk injury during pre-draft. And then Miami's taking Tua if, if he's there at five. And then you've got teams like the Chargers, Carolina, 
Jacksonville and potentially Oakland that all could take a quarterback. Now, I think the Chargers might look to re-sign Philip Rivers for another year. Agree. And then take the top left tackle at that spot. Carolina, they need offensive line help. They do. Carolina, same thing. You know, they could focus on the offensive line or a defensive tackle. Um, the Raiders, who knows? But yeah, my the, point being is if the Colts wanted if, – if Chris Ballard is dead set on taking the quarterback in this draft and he falls in love with this guy and he wants to take it, he's got to get above at least Miami to get his guy because the Chargers could take a quarterback. They're probably not trading back. Carolina could take a quarterback. They're probably not trading back. Then you've got Arizona. At that point, if both of those two teams take quarterbacks, you're done. You don't have any quarterbacks left because you have Burrow, one, two of five, Herbert, six, Love, seven. So your quarterbacks are done at that point. So you have to get in front of Miami. That puts you in the range of looking at number four, the New York Giants. Dave Gettleman has never traded back in the first round in his history of being a GM. So I'm going to go ahead and throw this out on a limb that he's probably not going to trade back again uh, or trade back for the first time. So then you're looking at to get to number three or number two. And so you're looking at Washington, who is taking Chase Young. So your only option here really is Detroit at three. And you're looking to move up 10 spots to get a guy that and I just don't see Chris Ballard doing that because that's going to cost three first round picks, three second round picks. Ugh. And that is not something Chris Ballard would do. So I think Colts fans need to understand that if, if they, if chargers or Carolina take quarterbacks at six and seven Colts are not taking quarterback in the first round. It's just not going to happen. What they will do if, if there's not a quarterback that gets taken there, I could see them undoubtedly moving up front of Jacksonville at nine and trading with Arizona at eight because that, that jump there is not nearly as costly. As big of a, yeah, as cost, <sighs> cost determinative or cost deterrative. Uh, can't talk right now. As cost prohibitive. As big of a, yeah, cost prohibitive is better. As moving up. So I look at that and I say, all right, well, Let's see what we can do um, in terms of moving up there. Or sit pat. You know, there is there is the rumor that Anthony Costanzo is considering retirement. Like, that would be just a beyond terrible thing for the Colts. Yeah, that would be a complete shot in the gut. It's one thing to have Andrew Luck, who has had an injury-filled career, who constantly was in rehab. And I, I read the article on The Athletic. Uh, and it kind of made me even sadder for Andrew Luck that there were periods in his career where he was peeing blood. And as a man, as as a you know, I'm not a parent and I'll never be one, but I'm still a man. Nothing will, and I have peed blood before uh, wrestling. I got a hernia. I think it was a hernia. Um, but nothing will strike the fear of God in you like peeing blood and yeah that's uh, i'm not even religious so so when i say when i say that and i read that about somebody who i how i idolized somebody i thought 
was going to be the next Peyton Manning that was going to take us to multiple Super Bowls that was just entering his prime. And it turns out the guy was just wrought with the worst of it, man. He got the worst of the what the NFL had to offer, and that was a lack of protection, and that was a string of not of abnormal injuries or, or not even abnormal, uh, yeah, uncommon injuries. injuries. Yeah. Torn cartilage in your rib cage, uh, lacerated, like, like organ, lacerated kidney, kidney, I believe. Uh, those yeah, things are not common. Um, so of course it's one thing for Andrew Luck to retire. That is a bitter pill to swallow. It happened. And the outcome of that article it gave me no clarity. It did not improve my my conspiracy. Uh, prob- the probability of that being true, it, it kind of nosedived where it was like, nah, he's like really done. Because there would have been any semblance of positivity coming out of those guys. But I can promise you when those guys were being interviewed and asked about, about, asked about Andrew Luck, it was with... Um, their eyes closed, looking at the ground, shaking their head, going, you know, I mean, I guess there's always a, a possibility. Yeah, you could win the lottery, too. That's that's about uh, the probability of Andrew Luck coming back. Uh, almost nil. So, the reason I brought up, like, Derek Carr was so that we could talk about Matt Stafford and say, hey, Matt Stafford's 31, Derek's 28, I would rather have the younger player because you have more of his prime left supposedly. Uh, And again, these aren't even things we think are going to happen. And I agree with you. First of all, the only team that I I would trade with if I were the Colts is the Washington Redskins because you fleeced them last year. Why can't you fleece them two years in a row? Come on. Like if you 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 could do it once, why can't you do it twice? What you could do with the the Redskins is, is moving up from 13 13, based on your, your common draft pick value chart, Washington's number two pick is worth 2,600 points, so mm-hmm. 2,600 points. The Colts' 13 pick is worth 1,150 points. So you'd probably have to throw in 13, 44, and first-round pick next year to move up from 13 to 2 if they're using the ready chart. The problem with that is I don't see Washington – like, I, I could see Chris Ballard moving up at that point, but I'm not sure it wouldn't be for Chase Young. It would just take Chase Young, for the record, <laughs> which is why I was saying the only team I would trade with is Washington, because I fleeced them already. I could probably do it again. And I would take Chase Young. I wouldn't even take quarterback there. And that's because it goes back to something I raised earlier in this episode. Hey, man. We, we went out last year and picked up Justin Houston and said, we're going to, oh, we're going to improve that pass rush. By 0.3%. So it kind of goes without saying that, of course, injuries notwithstanding, you didn't improve the pass rush. If you're going to move up, I would take Chase Young. He's the best uh, edge prospect in the class and probably since, I don't know, Von Miller. He's Um, like the fourth uh, generational talent in three years. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. so um, I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, the Redskins just, will probably yeah, just stay so everybody pat. knows we don't think that's gonna happen. Most the, of the, the things most... that we've talked about aren't going to happen. Like almost all of them uh, aren't gonna but happen. It's fun I, to speculate. It's fun to speculate. But here, but let's 
let's do that for real because we should do that for the fans let's let's do this so everybody's putting out their mock drafts and i only care what happens up to the colts pick everything else is irrelevant so let's look I, I at what uh, you're about to do hold on <laughs> I 2020 even nfl draft order <laughs> And, and, of course, it only goes to 20 right now because the other 12 teams are in the playoffs and you don't know what they're going to pick. So it doesn't even matter what happens after us. All right? But at this point, we say Bengals go Joe Burrow. They were 30th in offensive efficiency. Andy Dalton's on his way out. Um, sure, like, there's a 0% chance the Bengals don't take Joe Burrow. That's pretty much a done deal. The Redskins... 32nd in offensive efficiency. So this is the only thing about this pick is that they're actually worse on offense. <laughs> I I would think they trade back to take an offensive lineman because I don't think the but second best overall player in this class is an offensive lineman. I think it's Chase Young. Um, so I'm just gonna go. Are you about Washington? Yeah. They were I think 30. I think Washington can't you can't pass up an edge rusher. That's what I'm saying. Like they're gonna take Chase Young, but yeah. I don't even think that makes them better because they're um, actually even worse on offense than they are on defense. So while yeah, Chase Young is a generational talent and yeah, you upgrade your pass rush, it doesn't help your offense, which was horrible bad. So then you look at Detroit, who has a decision to make. So yeah, so I'm looking keep right Matt now. Matt Stafford and re-sign him. I, I think you do just because he's been there for for as long as he has, and he's still got years left in his prime. Like you don't, unless of a, a a quarterback falls in your lap, like you know with with Farvin Rogers, uh, you know at 24 that you would have taken the top 10, and for whatever reason they fall, I don't think you can take an, another quarterback when you still have your franchise guy at three. And so, so like, I look at Detroit and I say, all right, they need, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat on this and I'm going to use draft network right now to go sure. over what they think the team needs are. So the lions right now need, according to draft network need linebacker, corner, wide receiver, edge. My guess is they either take Okuda out of Ohio state or Simmons, yep. uh, out at Clemson or that I guess they could go. I don't like Jerry Judy personally. His just general tape that I've watched of him. Uh, he um, stands around a lot. I'll say that. Yeah. Come out, I'll just come out and say it kids. Not, not everything you see is when you're in the route. A lot of what, a lot mm-hmm. of what got Zach Pascal to where he is in the NFL is what he's doing during the play when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And like, when I watch. Nothing was highlighted more about Zach Pascal than this weekend's game when Marlon Mack scored on that end around and Pascal was a lead blocker and drove his guy and dove and knocked out the guy that oh, could yeah, have yeah. tackled Mack going in the end zone. I was like, that is why he's that's why that's we why you're him. here. <laughs> like, he, that's, that's why, why I've called him like a, a lesser man's Heinz Ward or a poor man's Heinz Ward because he is a competent receiver. And he does all the dirty work and gets all the blocking done. And that's, yeah. But that's kind of the opposite of Jerry Judy. Because Judy just, like you said, he just, like, I'm just not as impressed as everybody keeps telling me. And, and I haven't really gotten into, like, deep dive, just 
solely focusing on his routes, um, which we're looking to do coming up for the Stampede Blue draft guide. Oh yeah, um, baby. And then we'll we'll break that down and, and we'll give little nuggets here and there on Twitter. And if you wanted to follow us on Twitter, Jared's at Likely Alien. Myself is at Nice Read Steve. That's Reed R E E D. So give mm-hmm. us a follow on Twitter. But yeah, so I look at the Lions and I say, all right, they're probably going to go one of three positions, but it's probably defense. And I think that you're going to take Okuda there because he's the best cover corner in this class. And you play in a division, the NFC North, that has Aaron Rodgers, that has, well, I wouldn't say he's good, but Mitch Trubisky does have one of the better wide receiver cores in the NFL. Um and that's it, it's really hard to dispute. I mean, they they really have. I mean, they have Anthony Miller. They have uh, who is the guy that the, everybody wanted the Colts to get and they didn't. The Alan guy from Robinson. Jackson, Allen Robinson. I wanted Robinson. the Colts to draft Allen Robinson in his um, draft. So the 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 division requires a cover corner, uh, an outstanding cover corner, whoever that ends up being. I got to figure, and this is, I'm I'm going to base my picks for these teams on efficiency. They're in the top 20 offensively, and I think if I'm looking at the Lions, I think they were just a little weak at wide receiver. I think, I, if I remember correctly, they had a lot of injuries at wide receiver. Yeah. So yeah, I that, think. Once they let Golden Tate go, he, they didn't have anybody at wide receiver. Well, they, they've got one player wide receiver, um, and that's about it. Yeah, so. 29th in defense tells me take a defender at the division you're in. Like I just, I'm repeating myself. Hey, you're going to have to be able to cover man cover really good wide receivers. Go get the best cover corner. And then drafting fourth, the New York giants who I don't think are taking a quarterback. I think Daniel Jones is a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL remains to be seen. He's still young, but Hey, he did all right this year. Uh, offensively 25th, defensively 28th. So again, I would say if I'm the Giants, I'm probably taking a defensive player. I have to figure, right? If I'm the Giants, I'm probably looking at offensive tackle. Okay. And that's just my gut feeling. I don't know what, I actually don't know what they say on the draft network. Draft network says defense. Yeah. Edge, linebacker, corner, and then wide receiver, offensive tackle for the Giants. Okay. And then Miami obviously is not. Oh, that's Tua. He's not. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the long term answer at quarterback. Apparently, neither is Josh Rosen. Apparently, neither is Josh Rosen, who is an interesting trade like, bait. Like, Here's you, the, you could trade for him and probably get him for nothing. Like, you could probably get Josh Rosen for a fourth or a fifth rounder right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe less. Maybe you know, less. With, with with how they're playing. like A future and if, seventh. And if the Colts do that on draft night, like, say, say love. Because, again, you know, we're all, a bunch of us are now on the love train. Oh, I'm, um, I'm all aboard. Like, love train, love I train. absolutely do it. Um, and I'll say this: I watch a lot of freaking college football. I have not seen a quarterback do more with less, with less. since Andrew Luck last year. Uh, ha, ha, ha. So, um, 
he um, lost his running back got drafted in the NFL. He has uh, lost two wide receivers and a tight end and his starting, I believe four out of five on the offensive, four line. of his five offensive linemen are new and a new coaching staff and a new offensive system and went 31 of 39 for 310 yards, three touchdowns. And his interception wasn't even really an interception. It was a, technically a fumble. It. Uh, it was a fumble. Yeah. Um, got the right receiver just coughed it up. Yep. And he, and he did not give up 42 points. His defense did. Uh, so I, I think that uh, obviously the arrows pointing up for love. Uh, and again, what we really are going to need to see is what happens at the senior bowl, what happens at the combine, because that tape is relevant and those numbers matter. Um, well, but, but I think what, what you're getting to, what matters more is those interviews. Yes. For love. Yes. Because that that's going to be the make or break for him Yep, it is how he performs at the senior bowl against some top talent mm-hmm. and how those interviews go at the combine. Oh, yeah. And for God's sakes, if he fails the drug test at the combine, like that shoots up crazy red flags yeah. for, for him as a prospect. And like that's... at that point you might as like, you don't take him um, unless if you're really, really confident that the next CBA is going to not include marijuana as a performance enhancing drug, which it shouldn't anyway, but it does right now. And so as of right now, it is illegal and they should not be using it. That said, if you're confident that they're not, that's going to get brushed under the rug, then sure. Take him, take him at 13. Are you ready for my conspiracy theory? Uh, (laughs) I don't know if I'm ever ready for your conspiracy (laughs) theories. Um, I think I, I think I, I said this before. I'm ready to hear it. Go for it. <laughs> so, and I'm piecing this together from actual events, so it's not completely crazy. I'm just going to make up the conversation. All right. Earlier this year, Colts GM Chris Ballard flew out to the West Coast, and I believe it was the Boise State Utah State game. Yes, which had Love, and then also had Curtis Weaver from Boise mm-hmm. State as a defensive end prospect. Yep. So what I'm thinking is, and I always, I've been saying this, if, if our layman eyes are seeing this smarter people than us, as far as football goes, and probably in other areas too, are seeing the same sorts of things. Like Chris Ballard sees promise in Jordan Love and decides to fly out to the West Coast to go see him, uh... And while he's there, he he makes a decision. I'm going to take him. But I got to get value for you. Right? I got to kill your draftability. So while he's out there, he sneaks into a campus bar. Hangs out with love fans. Because everybody's a fan of the star quarterback. Right? And he tells them, hey, late in the season, at, you know, before the bowl game, before the senior bowl, we guys need you to to narc on Jordan Love for doing what 75 to 85% of college football players already do, and I don't care what you say. And I need you to tattle on him and, and get him caught smoking dope so it kills his draft stock. And then to make sure you tell Jordan Love, just don't don't fail your pisser at the combine, and we'll take you in the, with the 34th pick. In the second round, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm li- literally telling you the future. 
because there isn't a franchise out there that's going to spend a first round draft pick on a kid that popped on a piss test. And I would probably say the same for one that gets busted by campus police for smoking weed a week before a bowl game and the senior bowl that you're about to plan is, it's not a good look, but it was a plant. Chris Ballard did that. Now moving back to reality, we said at five, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a bridge quarterback. You're going to take to uh, let him fully heal from his hip injury, acclimate himself to the pro game, and they've got their quarterback of the future. The Los Angeles Chargers, we've said, hey, Phillip Rivers is getting up there. 16th on offense, 23rd on defense. Not only is he getting up there, but he's also not signed after this season. Which, which is interesting. Do you do you sign him or move him? I don't think you let him leave, right? For me, not, I'd sign not, him not, just because like he's this. he's been the franchise for them for so long. Like, I don't think you can move him and feel good about it. This is a team that needs an offensive lineman. So isn't this the offensive and line pick? By move him, by the way, by move him, we just mean don't resign him because they can't trade him. Right, right. you can't just trade so him. You, you, you don't own him anymore, so you can't trade him. Um, but I think the Chargers we had re-sign Philip Rivers, draft an offensive tackle, right? This is the yeah, squad. something like that. Yeah, I think this was the squad, and then the Panthers, uh, their past three top ten picks: McCaffrey, Kukli, and Cam. So it's not like they miss, <laughs> but twenty eighth in offense. 20th on defense. I think they're moving on from Cam. I think Jeff Allen, probably not it. Greer, probably not it. This is probably a quarterback pick. What do you think? What do you think about from to Carolina? Not at six. Or yeah, not not in the first round, I don't think. But here's a crazy thing is like is we didn't say that about party? like Jake Locker or any other mm-hmm. player either. Mm-hmm. Like back in back when they had like Bortles. Yeah. Bortles was a shock to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And so it's not unprecedented for a guy that none of us see going really high. I mean, shoot, Daniel Jones last year. That's kind of why I was like, like from because he went to Georgia and Georgia Carolina is like right there. I mean. Obviously, yeah, we it's think one of those Herbert things where like you pick, could see it right? happening. Yeah, um, but, but at the same I think time, like, like I, 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 I think that they are going to take a either a defensive player or a tackle. Okay. Just because they don't want to miss out, and I think that they'll if they were targeting from, I think that they would take him in the second round. Okay. Now that would just be my gut feeling on it. Gotcha. The Cardinals, uh, 13th on offense. So, hey, man, how about that for Kyler Murray, the guy everybody said was going to flame out. But 31st on defense, got to figure they're going defense, right? I think they're going defense, or they could potentially go wide receiver that spot because they don't have a wide like a legit wide receiver to replace Larry Fitzgerald once he finally hangs him up. Yeah. Now, the, the quagmire in this draft, who just happens to be a divisional opponent, is the Jacksonville Jaguars at nine, who 
have like a half a billion dollars invested in their defense and there's no way that they keep any of those people. So while the Colts will get, oh, what's that player's name that Chris Shepard has been saying for ages? That's a Colt. Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick Ngakwe. So the Colts are going to pull pull him onto their roster, pay that man his money. 26 on offense, 26 on defense. I think they have their quarterback for the record. Gardner Minshew, 16th in the NFL in quarterback rating. Uh, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, they have. So you want to hear back. my crazy conspiracy theory? They got to pick a pass rusher, right? If they're going to lose them. I don't know. So Go ahead. Here's my crazy conspiracy theory. Go Is ahead. that Chris Ballard and, uh, the, the, whoever the, the GM down Caldwell down in Jacksonville, sure. uh, they make a deal that Chris Ballard takes on Nick Foles' contract for next year, and they flip-flop first-round picks for the Colts <laughs> taking that that draft pick. And that what that does is that allows Jacksonville to re-sign Yannick and Gawkway. And allows them to franchise tag him and have that money available to franchise him. And they still keep a first round pick, although it's a little bit little bit further back. But it puts the Colts in a position that they can draft their quarterback while eating a salary from Jacksonville on that, that trade. And I think like I feel like Jacksonville have to throw in something else too. So like another, another draft like, pick? <laughs> Yeah, like they'd have to throw in like a third round draft pick. Like oh, the Colts great. get Jacksonville's first and third, and yeah. Nick Foles, and the Colts take, uh, the Colts get nine, or the Colts get, uh, the Jacksonville gets thirteen. Right. The Colts get nine, Foles, and a round three pick or something like that. Okay. Because like right now Jacksonville's in cap hell. Like they have, that, that's what they I have no at. money for next year, yeah. and like they can cut a bunch of players, but they can't cut. Nick Foles. So is, are you going to pay $23 million for a backup when Gardner Minshew is as of right now, their future. Yeah. And he's played well when he given the opportunity, he plays well against zone defense. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's kind of like the opposite of Jacoby Brissett. Exactly. So moving to 10, the Cleveland Browns, I have to think this is an offensive line pick just because of how awful their offensive line play has been. They are dreadful at offensive line. It's got to be offensive line. It almost has to be. But again, without even looking at projected uh, players, all I'm looking at is when do they pick and how bad were they on what side of the ball? Um, In my eyes, Cleveland is a trade back candidate because – I don't see I I think if I close my eyes and I go back through all the tape that I've watched this year the first half of the first round is offense heavy quarterbacks wide receivers the wide receiver class is really good this year although I think uh the ratings are all screwed up um so I have to think either the Cleveland Browns trade back because they don't need to take a tight uh, tackle that high or a guard or whatever, or they're just going to draft offensive linemen because they got to have it. And that's a pretty that's a pretty short conversation, right? Like their offensive line play was terrible. You have a franchise quarterback, you have to protect. 
Well, Colts, and this is all going to make a, a huge difference on who they have as their GM because they oh, got released today that Jeff uh, John Dorsey was fired or let go or they parted ways amicably, whatever that means. It means he got fired. But it means he didn't get walked out by security. Yeah. <laughs> Did Freddie Kitchens. So, by oh, the way, Freddie Kitchens how about, fought his how about way this? out of there. Did I not call this at the beginning of the season in yeah, August? Yes, you did. You did not <laughs> call said, the Dorsey the Dorsey thing, but you definitely said like Freddie Kitchens is not the man for this for this team for, for this, this team roster. and for this franchise and for this moment. Yeah. And like I I yeah. So Cleveland fans, uh, go ahead and send those apologies to uh, my Twitter <laughs> account, Nice yes. Read Steve. Yes. Read R E E D and uh, any secondary uh, apologies you're going to send it to Jared over at Likely Alien. And I, I think that, that that would be uh, beneficial. And it would you be know, proper. Little, it's, the, it's the right thing to do. In a way, yeah. yeah. Because now, we, <laughs> boy, the Twitter mentions on that. That was yes. that was pretty crazy. Oh, my gosh. We, I, was, I, I was telling my <laughs> wife, that's the closest I've been to death threats on Twitter. And I've been on Twitter for nine years. So, yeah. <laughs> You're at, ele- <laughs> at 11, the New York Jets, uh, 29th in offensive efficiency, Fifteenth uh, on defense, and I think again this is an offensive line pick, uh, but it could also be a wide is, receiver. I was going to say this is offensive line or wide receiver because it sounds a bit. It sounds like the Jets are going to let Robbie Anderson test free agency, I and so which, which he's going to yeah. be a hot. He's a he's a great wide receiver. Yeah, he, he's he's quality. Yeah, and yeah. and the after Robbie Anderson, they didn't. Really have a lot of consistent. Quincy and Unue wasn't consistent throughout the year, and he was dinked up different times. Um, they don't really have much of a wide receiver out there. And Adam Gase, who knows what he's doing? Like, period. Does he know uh, what I mean, he's doing? Other than basalts, like that's. Or, <laughs> no, I, I joke. That's not. I don't uh, know that he's doing that. Was it's that ammonia joke. powder that he was sticking yeah. on the sideline? It was. Well, it was those. Uh, what? It's the. Uh, the uh, those salts that you like take over and like well, pops you and wakes you up the smelling salts i don't do that so <laughs> like that's what they used to do to guys when they got concussions yeah that's what i was thinking like was he about to pass out um i don't know but the jets you can go in any number of directions but you know they're not going quarterback no and that's no, about they, the only thing that's know, the like, only thing well or running back quarterback or running back but that's the thing you know about those those past two picks is Cleveland's not going quarterback. Nope. And the Jets aren't going quarterback. And so you've got the Raiders at 12. You know, you, you have a history there of trading with, with the Jets. So if they wanted to trade up, like trade now up. they're not going to – they could jump in front of the Raiders to get their guy. And, and that wouldn't cost you a lot of, a lot of picks. It cost you maybe a fourth-round pick. Yeah. So here, here's the only the only thing about and this is how the NFL is quirky. The Raiders are sixth in the NFL in offensive efficiency and dead last on defense. And while we've literally just had the conversation about Derek Carr and about saying John Gruden is not married to Derek Carr as his quarterback. And I think that he could move. This is the Herbert pick for me. Really? Yeah, you know. Um, it's not a bad pick there for them. 
I mean, and that's obviously if he falls, a million things have to happen. I don't largely know what I'm talking about. And the reason I'm saying this is in the last couple drafts, I've paid a lot more attention because of this draft guide. And one of the things that I think that we haven't looked closely enough at is how close a player's school is to the team he gets drafted by early in the draft. That's exactly what I was going to say is that he's a West Coast player. West Coast. That's why I said from to to Carolina, right? Because he went to Georgia. He's right next door. And he doesn't make any sense except he's local and he carries with him his family, his friends, his fans, and they don't have to go too far. And that's worth something in the NFL. And I didn't say it was worth much, but it's something that has to be in your brain. And and you can even look at the Colts. Quentin Nelson, Notre Dame, sixth overall. He went to school in Indiana. Now, I think if I'm the Raiders, for the record, I'm not John Gruden, but I would keep Derek Carr because I think that he's good enough that trying to replace him is a fool's errand. Your defense is absolute worse than the NFL. This is a defensive pick. I, was I thinking feel like Simmons? this has got to be a defense. Like Simmons or Derek Brown mm-hmm. or Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw actually makes a lot of sense here. Yeah. Even... You know, at this point, like, I don't know whether we've had Derek Brown go yet, uh, but Derek Brown's like probably going to be the top defensive tackle in this draft. And then Javon Kinlaw is going to be right there behind him. And then after that, it seems like there's going to be a big drop off. But Javon Kinlaw kind of seems like a Gruden style player. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's the pick there because they definitely need to improve their defense. And that's right. that's unquestioned um, because they can't stop anybody. Like they're going to be in trouble, like because Derek Carr is, even though they they John Gruden is a brilliant offensive coach, mm-hmm. and has gotten us so much out of his players and out of his team, until they can stop somebody, like you, you got to face every year, you know Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos now that have just become an offensive little juggernaut, mm-hmm. and then you have to face Patrick Mahomes. Oh yeah, forgot about the former MVP and the Kansas City Chiefs every year like twice a year and then you've got to face whoever like if philip rivers comes back like you have six games against really good quarterbacks at this point and, and drew the the jury's still out of drew lock i understand that uh, but he has played I well like in 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 short order and mm-hmm. i think that that is that Coming was off actually a really hand good pick too. for for john elway i think that was he finally hit on his qb yep. in the second round of the draft where he just waited, which ideally that's what I want the Colts to do too. I really want Jordan love at 34, but I, I understand that's why, that that's why he got happen. busted for weed. Come on. Yeah. Now, oh, I forgot. I forgot. That's my bad. Yeah, so at 13, our Indianapolis Colts, and this is where we'll stop for now because we don't care what happens after us. At 13, the Colts 18th in offensive efficiency, down from, like, 10th. And 12th in efficiency on defense, I had them at 22, though. So there's there's this duality we're in where it's like, eh. Actually, you could take, like, a defensive tackle, an edge rusher, um... But everybody's saying wide receiver, and the Colts got to go wide receiver. You got to compliment T.Y. Hilton directly. Your options, Judy, Higgins, C.D. Lamb, Lamb, Ruggs, uh, uh, 
Well, they've got rugs at like 26th overall. Whatever. Those are top four guys. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones would probably be a late round team pick. Probably. So, real real reality is, in my opinion, T. Higgins or C. D. Lamb. I'm taking C. D. Lamb all day. Here's and why. Those are my 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 picks. Here's why you're taking C. D. Lamb. Trevor Lawrence, outside of Joe Burrow, and that's why they're playing in the national championship. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, uh, unless Joe Burrow becomes unworldly, which I hope he does for the state of Ohio because it needs something good to happen to him after LeBron left. And the Bengals need something good to happen to them. First, it's any time ever. Like the first time in forever. because Trevor Lawrence is so good, he elevates the play of guys like T. Higgins. And I was, at one point earlier this year, I was all about some Jalen Hurts. Until I started watching him play. And I realized Jalen Hurts... You are is, not about some Jalen Hurts anymore. <laughs> Jalen Hurts is a young Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Uh, That's once right. he gets hurt, gains some weight, they're going to be identical. Um, and because of that, it makes me appreciate what his wide receivers are able to do because I see Jalen Hurts as a lesser quarterback than Trevor Lawrence and that I can back up with data. Um, so it's with the 13th pick in the 2020 well, NFL and, draft. And, and, Rick, and also looking at the. I say that you see T. Higgins, who has Lawrence as his quarterback. Yeah. And yet, in that game against Ohio State, he could not get open against Akuda. Not at all. Like, he wasn't, and he had the best quarterback thrown to him. So yep. that's why, like, in my mind, I look at T. Higgins and I go, how much was it Trevor Lawrence in lesser competition? And, like, once you finally win against top competition, like NFL caliber competition. Mm hmm. T. Higgins kind of like disappeared. disappeared. Yep. You know, for the most part, and, and like he still got. And we don't need two stuff. ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we, we we don't need two ghosts that that one. We of them really need show one. Up. Um, we really need but one. the thing that concerned me about T. Higgins is when he was on other guys, like he was able to get some catches. But when he was against you know elite NFL caliber talent, he wasn't able to get open at at all. Mm-hmm. And so that's why like. That's part of me that says I'm going to go C.D. Lamb all day, every day, if I'm yep. getting the choice between Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, uh, T. Higgins, Ruggs, or uh, or uh, Ash Chenault out of Colorado. Like, oh yeah, any of those guys, I'm taking C.D. Lamb out of that group. Okay. Now, the the thing that would complicate this is what the Colts do in free agency. Like right. if Anthony Costanza retires, at that point left tackle becomes a really important position. Yeah, that's and priority you one. Might be able to get a left tackle there. Yes. And then you, and you look at free agency too to see who they sign. Like if the Colts are able to sign uh, Yannick Ngakwe uh, from Jacksonville, which I love for twofold reason, is that it improves the Colts and it hurts a division rival. Right. And so 
it's a it's a double bang for your buck there by signing Ngakwe. And so I look at that and say, all right, if they sign him, then you know you kind of mark off edge rusher as a right. position you're looking for in first round. And then if they sign a guy like an Amari Cooper, you know that somehow Dallas lets walk because they get the transition tag and the Colts just stupidly front or uh, not stupidly but go as an, and just crazy front end loads it. So Dallas can't match it because they've got a franchise tag on Dak. So they can't do anything there. They can't franchise, you know, they can't franchise both Dak and Cooper. And so if they're not able to work out a deal with Dak, that opens up Cooper to be able to hit the market as a transition tag. And the transition tag doesn't give any draft compensation to the Cowboys if he signs elsewhere. It just gives the Cowboys the first right of refusal. So they would have an opportunity to see that contract that Amari Cooper signed said, yeah, we're okay with that contract. We're going to sign him for that. And so, you know, teams are able to put in poison pill language in, in a way where they, they front and load it. You know, they, they go through all of these other things. They put in no trade clauses, things like that, that will deter teams from signing those guys, signing that offer sheet. Uh, and so, I think that's going to make a huge difference on where the Colts go in the draft because, again, Costanza retires, offensive tackle becomes priority one. Yep. If you know the Colts sign a defensive end and a wide receiver and use some of that money, so then hopefully, I pray that Chris Ballard uses some of that money because I'm tired of hearing people complain about the Colts having a ton of cap space, and that's the reason why they lose a game. And I'm like. No, nah, money not spent does do? not equal losses accrued. That's not how that works. Yeah, um, I know. And, and like, <laughs> there's no correlation there. Like, no. In fact, there's actually an opposite correlation because look at the teams that spend the most in free agency every single year yeah, on we bringing just in outside free agents. At length. Yeah. The, and, and the Jaguars teams, are in cap hell. The, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Cowboys. <laughs> like, they're all worthless. these teams, quote unquote, win free agency and they always lose in the regular season because they don't build their team the right way. So I look at that and I say, all right, you know, if they do these things now, if they don't sign a defensive end in free agency, then you're looking at a guy like AJ Epinesa at at 13. Uh, You're looking at a Derek Brown or a Javon Kinlaw, regardless Mm -hmm. a defensive tackle. Give me Kinlaw. I see if I, if I'm, picking between the two i'm taking brown all oh, day really? okay. yeah i i really like how brown well plays. if he's there i thought we yeah said brown was going earlier in the round my bad. oh if he if he got well and that's why i'm saying like if if either of those guys are there i'm picking between the two if only one of them there oh then yeah obviously you go with the one that's the, available with the better one yeah yeah and um, so yeah like i go back and forth on it and i don't think it's a a foregone conclusion that the colts take love at 13 even if he's available no not at all because i could see them passing on it um and then trying to trade back up if they're certain that he's gonna fall now the other thing you look at is this class is loaded at wide receiver Mm -hmm. and so do you if you see love and you say okay he's got the those mahomes style traits that he just can't teach yep then you take him at 13, you don't look back, and you sit there and you try to grab a, a guy at the, in round two that maybe fell out of the first round, like a Chenault, like a Ruggs, like a Devonta Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, you know, I like that, Devonta Smith. 
right? He's a good guy. I think mm-hmm. he's he is going to be a, a solid player. He's he's kind of like that sneaky AJ Brown pick. Oh, yeah. That like I was a huge fan of AJ Brown entering the draft last year. And yeah, look I at was him like, go. Oh, DK Metcalf, blah blah blah. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, AJ Brown's really quality receiver. He's I think he, I had him as like my number two or three guy up there at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was one of those things where. You know, even though he wasn't the primary pass catcher, he was still a great player. I think that might be the same thing with Devonta Smith, who shows that willingness to block, willingness to get on there, and that reliable hands that that you see or that you really hope for in a wide receiver. And so I see that and I say, all right, quarterback's the one position that you really don't screw around with. And if you've got a guy that you really like, you don't sit there and play and try to wait. And so you kind of feel like if Love's the guy that Ballard likes, then he takes him at 13. And if Love is like a guy that shoots up radars, I'm not sure I see Ballard trading up. Now, trading up with, you know, say the Cardinals at eight to get in front of Jacksonville and 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 Oakland. Like if you're trading up there, then maybe they make that move. Yeah. If for whatever reason uh, the Chargers and the Panthers don't take a quarterback then that costs you maybe the second, the second, second round pick. Yeah. So it costs you 13 and 44 to move up to To eight. And and that's, I wouldn't be against that um, because that's going to be about equal value there. You might have to throw in like a 2021 round four pick to sweeten the pot Mm -hmm. or sweeten the deal for them a little bit, however they call it. But, like, the Cardinals have shown that they're willing to trade in years past. They traded Josh Rosen during the draft last year. Um, and, you know, you look at teams that show a propensity to make moves or a willingness to make moves. And so, yeah, like, it's going to be really interesting to see where, where it all plays out and what things are available. Um, but as we said, what's going to make the hugest difference is what the Colts do in free agency. Yep because that's going to guide where that decision is going to be. So I'm looking at Colts free agents. Costanzo, Funches, Ebron. Let's just do the ones I think they'll actually, that matter. And I hate to say that about a bunch of people I don't know. Costanzo, Funch, because he's got a $10 million contract on, uh, or had. Uh, and then you could also argue Jabal Sheard, Eric Ebron. And then down the list, a guy that I'm interested in keeping around is Mo Ali Cox. So obviously if Ebron goes, you, then you re-sign Mo Ali Cox. Well, Mo Ali Cox signed his qualifying right center. So did uh, Chase McLaughlin and Zach Pascal. So, so we already know those guys are coming back. Those are those three guys are all coming back next year because they were restricted. For, they they had qualifying, or they were exclusive free agents or something like that. Exclusive yeah, rights. Yeah, e- ERFA exclusive rights. Yeah. Yeah, they they were something Urfa. where they just signed the one year qualifying offer and got it taken care of, and so yeah. they're coming back next year. They also signed a bunch of guys um, to uh, futures contracts like Jerry Green, the defensive mm-hmm. end that that Ballard drafted last year in the sixth round that he really liked. And then yep. Xavier Grimble and, and Ian Bunting, two tight ends that I think could be quality tight ends if given the opportunity. And so you look at different guys that, that they've signed and kind of try to play guesswork on it. I think if you're looking at guys that 
the Colts are going to re-sign of their own. Costanza was obviously one A, yeah. or like one with a with yeah, a, he's one up there. He's that's it. Yeah. And then you look down the list and you're like, all right, Ebron. I really like Ebron as a player. I like Ebron as a person. Yeah. Uh, from from what I've what I've gathered just from his interactions with people. And so I think that I'd like him, him to resign, but I think they let him go. Yeah. Like yeah. I think they let him walk. They try to get that comp pick. Um for him or try to offset a comp pick from signing a guy. I think they'll look to extend Marlon Mack. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll look to extend Anthony Walker because I think Anthony Walker is one of the most underrated players on this roster. One of the and most he, underrated linebackers in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I'd go that far to say that too. Like he is, he is entirely underrated mm-hmm. and people just don't understand how good he is because he plays next to, such a player in Darius Leonard. <laughs> Anthony Walker passed Darius Leonard's for total tackles this season, despite right. Leonard playing three less games. But <laughs> Leonard actually played more snaps than Anthony yep. Walker. Yep. And Which so, tells you how valuable Darius Leonard is to that defense. Yeah. Darius Leonard plays all the time in every situation. Oh, yeah. But Anthony Walker is also very valuable in that he was able to make plays, get everything done. Oh, yeah. Despite playing in just as many snaps or in fewer snaps than Darius Leonard. So he's a really underrated part of this roster that people need to understand is going to be a long-term. I, I think he's going to be a long-term player for the Colts for a long, long time. Oh yeah. At the middle linebacker spot. Now outside of Anthony Costanzo and I look at money first. So outside of Anthony Costanzo, the next uh, free agent that you've got to think about is Devin Funches. And my thought process is, did not play in 15 and seven eighths of the games. I'm not re-signing him at your current contract, which is 10 million. Yeah, I think that they'll re-sign him, but it'd be for like seven. Yeah, it's gonna like be. That. You're gonna give us a little bit of a discount. You're gonna have to put together a body of work for us to sign you to a long-term deal. I'd give him a one-year deal, probably 70% of what what I would uh what I paid him last year to do absolutely nothing. Now, Jabal Sheard. 31 eight and a half million dollars this past year if you're resigning him again for a discount he's part of a rotation um i like well, jabal sheard is that he's 31 didn't, like play out of his mind this year no like, no he didn't show other than like he was a good at setting the edge and i feel like al and muhammad did just as well doing that as sheer did yeah so you you've got this you know, this uh, $8.5 million average defensive end, you could probably just let him go. He's 31, right? Just let him let him go. He's, he's a UFA. And then Ebron, we've said, is gone. Vinny, I think, retires. No Chester Rogers. How you be, how you feel about Clayton Gathers? I think Gathers is an interesting guy because he's not somebody that I would personally resign. I'd rather give him, give those snaps to a younger guy. Like Kyrie Willis is clearly going to be the starter long-term. Yeah. But Gathers is a guy that's a good leader in the locker room, but he's fallen off. I'd rather give that to Odom or somebody else than just keep running with Gathers because I just don't think that he's going to be a long-term option. I don't think he's worth necessarily the price unless he comes back for a, a severe discount well he got paid 2.75 mil last year so my thought process on 
process on gathers is I could see drafting a safety and letting gathers walk. Um, because he also th- might be a guy they look at later, like in free agency to resign, like after yeah. they go through the first phase, after they go through the draft, and he might be a June first signing. Yeah, they sign and come in after the draft, and they're like, "All right, well, we don't got anything else. Let's go ahead and bring you back at this price." And they play for the same same amount, and I, I would be fine for that. Yeah, and then Dontrell Inman got to figure he's gone. Raven Clark. Isaiah Johnson, Brian Body Calhoun, Josh Andrews, Jonathan Williams, Joe Hegg, Tevin Coley, Marcus Johnson. We've talked about being a re-sign. Marcus he already did Johnson that. and Joe Hegg, I think, would probably be the guys out of that group that I would re-sign. Yeah. And then uh, Kai Nakua and then Zach Pascal. we said, already signed. Mo Ali Cox, we're going to keep. Roland Milligan. Reese Fountain, Sky Moore, Chase McLaughlin, Chase McLaughlin re-signed. That's all the free agents. So yeah, Sky Moore also got brought up to the active roster. Active roster, yeah. So it gives them a opportunity to keep him and recoup a comp pick if they decide to, if he decides to sign elsewhere. Yeah. So we kind of went through there. Would we say uh, we're gonna hopefully re-sign Anthony Costanzo? He is a cornerstone to a successful offensive line. Uh, and he had one of his best seasons this year statistically. Yeah, and and one of the most stable at his position. Very difficult to replace uh, in the short term, in the long term, in the locker room, on the field. Uh, I hope he sticks around. Um, he, and like I said, there there ain't, there ain't really anything else to say. I hope I hope that Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, and uh, Jimmer say make it appealing for Anthony Costanzo to return. Um, we said we'd re-sign Devin Funches at a discount because he didn't play. That we're fine letting Jabal Sheard, Eric Ebron, Adam Vinatieri, Chester Rogers, Clayton Gathers, Dontrell Inman, Laraven Clark, Isaiah Johnson, Brian Body Calhoun, Josh Andrews, Jonathan Williams, Trevon Coley, uh, Kainakua, uh, Rolla Milgan, Reese Fountain. We're letting all them guys walk. So, again, one of the things well, that— Well, and here's the thing is— you know, we've talked before about the conspiracy theory that Andrew Luck is going to return. Yes. And all that. I can tell you with about a thousand percent certainty that if Anthony Costanza retires, Andrew Luck is not going to be back. Because those right. guys were best friends. Right. And I just don't see there being any way that Luck comes back if Costanza's retired. Oh, absolutely. Like absolutely. that that would shut the door on the small glimmer of hope that we have that Andrew Luck will somehow come back and decide, Hey, I want to play again. Despite that article in the athletic that quoted everybody saying like, you know, we'd love to have him back. No, I don't think he comes back. I think it might be weird or, you know, all the different. Imagine being Jacoby and Andrew Luck just walks back into 56th street and says, all right, come back. If I'm, I'm Jacoby, <laughs> if I'm Jacoby and that happens, you're like, thank God. Right. Oh, all right. I can go back to just yeah, having fun and taking pictures yeah. with the defense and I can go back to playing around and still getting paid a bunch of money. Yeah. And I don't take a lot of criticism and I can still be the best backup quarterback in the league. Like this is one of those situations where like everything really kind of feels like a really good idea in theory. And then once you become that and you're like, wow, this kind of sucks. Yeah. 
And then it's like that moment of clarity. They hit hard. Yeah, it's that moment of clarity where like, man, this isn't as easy as it was sitting over on the sideline. I don't know what happened. Um, And not saying that that's what happened, but just saying like he might not might not be as upset. What if Jacoby retires? I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, man, what just happened here? Oh, man. Everything just went awry all at once. Like, talk about how snakebitten Chris Ballard is as GM. Like, he comes in, Pat McAfee retires immediately. Like, not, <laughs> not, Pat McAfee retired before Chris Ballard got there, I think. Yeah. But, um, Pat McAfee retires. He goes through, first year he's stuck with Chuck Bogano, and Andrew Luck gets hurt. Or Andrew Luck has surgery and is getting better. And then he has to trade for Jacoby Brissett. And then they have a terrible season mm-hmm. under. Pagano get the third overall pick, then get lucky with Quentin Nelson Absolutely. in the draft. And then Absolutely. the next year, Andrew Luck plays well, but he gets dinged up in like the Pro Bowl or what how wherever he got dinged up at, where he got that calf injury that wouldn't heal. And then comes back and the end of the next season, Andrew Luck retires. <laughs> and you're stuck with Jacoby Reset. And then you go into the next season, you're like, all right, guys. We got a plan together. We got a plan together. And then all of a sudden, Anthony, Anthony Costanza goes, hey, guys, I think I'm going to retire. Like, what is going on here? Why is this happening? Why is uh, this because, happening it's, because it hasn't. Like, that, that's that, why. For, for, and, and then, oh, in between there. No, that, that in between where Josh McDaniel's situation happened. Where he's like, yeah, oh I'm gosh. coming to Indy. I'm, I'm going to sign the contract, but I can't sign until after. And then he's like. Hey, so hey guys, I uh, I think I'm just gonna go back I, home. I talked to I talked to Bill and he wasn't and happy Mr. about Kraft, me coming to Indianapolis. And uh, they put some stuff. Um, they they put a picture of my family on the screen. Yeah. And they said, if you love them, trust me, you want to stay. Right. And so I decided to stay. But I'm not guys, ready not really. None family. of that happened, guys. I'm just joking. I don't want to come. Uh, so my bad. Have fun. Yeah, right. Good luck. Uh, And then uh, anything. Funches gets hurt in the first game, doesn't play all year. T.Y. Hilton uh, gets Gets hurt hurt in the eighth game, doesn't play Uh, half the year. Paris Campbell doesn't play the whole year. Eric Ebron uh, goes on IR. Goes (laughs) voluntarily goes on IR. uh, Adam Vinatieri falls off the face of the earth. Yeah, like Uh, seriously. (laughs) Like, Like, and uh, none of those things are Chris Ballard's fault. Yeah, not Frank they, like, Reich's fault. This is just the way it goes for everyone else in the NFL. Really, really it, unlucky. It a doesn't. Seri- like, this is a this series is like of unfortunate Cleveland events. Brown level bad luck, or like Cincinnati Bengal level bad. Yeah, luck. let's go to Bengals because at least the yeah. Browns have like solid pieces yes. on their team. Like this is Bengals level yeah. bad juju. Just all the way around, um, and that's why. One of the things that gives me hope, though, is I feel with the really with the exception of Paris Campbell, because he's still an enigma. But I will say this, and I say this with full confidence, and I'm not blowing smoke. When Paris Campbell has been healthy and on the field and had the ball in his hands, he looks like the fastest person on the field. That outside guy tonight. is electric. He he has a so lot fast. of potential. Uh, I think he's just, uh, just like a lot of guys do, uh, struggling to acclimate to the pro game. Um, and it's because well, I've, been, like, I've been, his injuries were like just freak injuries. 
Like, he injured his hand on a play that you go and watch it and you go, where did you injure your hand at? Right. Like, you, you gripped the ball through, too hard? Like, like <laughs> did you, was it smacking somebody's hand on the sideline? Right. Like, how did you injure your he, he hand like that? He broke his hand on a high five. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, what happened here? And, like, and then, like, little hamstring, like, you know, and this comes into, like, the Colts have a lot of soft tissue injuries. Yeah. That goes to the strength and conditioning. But they've had less this year than they've had in the past. So, But they are still got to be near the top of the league at it. So you have to wonder whether it's a matter of the field that they practice and play on. Like, is there some exter- external circumstance that causes this to happen at a higher yes. rate? Yes, because I'll tell you. I'll tell it's you. It's weird. I'll tell you. I'm one of the rare birds that you'll ever meet. I played in a – and I know that this is, like, about as far away from being an NFL player as you can get. But I played in a flag football league where we split our games between uh, – I think we played nine games that season between Lucas Oil and we played at a sports park. Okay? See, I want to play in your family's, in your flag football league now. No, I haven't played in years because I'm old now. But No, but we could probably still play. Let's pull this we off. Could, we, could, we could probably pull it off. Um, so I'll fly in what, on the weekends for games. Here, Here's what I'll say. There's a 0% chance that you are practicing on the same fields you play. The turf type that the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium is made from hits different. And having been an athlete my entire life until like the last, I don't know, five, six years, um, when I played quarterback for my flag football team, I didn't do a lot of running around. I'm not like a terribly mobile guy. I'm a drop back, see what the defense does, who beat who. Oh, here we go. Um, my knees hurt and my hamstrings hurt. Like, they never hurt. And I played softball, like, four or five nights a week. I ran all over the field, ran all over dirt, ran, you know what I mean, ran around the bases, ran around the outfield. Um, yeah, like, natural grass is just different. Natural grass doesn't um, – the only problem with natural grass is your ankles on uneven uh, field type. Um, yeah, uneven footing can get you. That actually is a common thing with horses, too. Just yeah. in case anybody cares. <laughs> no, I have, hey, I have, have horses. horses so. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, Ohio State plays outside. That's a grass field. A lot of their opponents uh, in the Big Ten play outside on grass fields. A lot of high schools uh, use grass uh, and that it is a transition. And I've even heard stories. Are you ready for this? I heard a story. Um Guys get dinged up at the combine and it affects their career uh, because running on the field at Lucas Oil, it hits different. It just it's, it's a different fast, but it's, it's different. fast. You're going to look you're going to look like grease lightning, but you're going to feel like a turd when it's over. Um, and I can say it and I can confirm that from direct experience. I have never. And this comes from like I even ran on a track in high school that was rubber. Uh, I have never been on a field surface that made my joints hurt and made my muscles hurt. So see, I, I ran on a track when when I ran high school track. I was uh, well, 
a, a sprint guy. And actually, it's pretty good, oddly enough. Um, but when I would run on it, we had a, a track that was, like, basically, like, running on pavement. Mm-hmm. But your, like, spikes would go into it. But, like, yeah. our coaches would have us run on that as little as possible. Right. And we'd be running drills off on the football field on that soft stuff because if we ran on that track every day, like, we would have our shins would be on fire. Yep. And it just would not be fun. So that's my, my you know, personal story I'm telling you. I've actually ran around on the turf at Lucas Oil in a football condition ish and my i don't have knee problems i broke my ankle when i was a freshman in high school uh but other than that i don't have knee problems i've never had hammy issues i never had shin splints or calves i might have gotten a little dehydrated a couple times okay but when i got done playing a single flag football game my knees hurt my hamstrings hurt my my shins hurt and i was just like oh my god i want to go lay down so imagine being like, like just soaking the Epsom salt bath. Like, yeah. Ice, I, just rice. Whatever. Whatever works, right? So what I will say is if you think about that, you spend your whole life playing on grass turf. You go to a big power five school that has a beautiful outdoor stadium. And I don't care if your college program has turf. That's not relevant. I'm talking about most players something like 75 percent of all outdoor college stadiums are in natural grass when you go from natural grass to the turf at lucas oil i promise you if you go to spring training in westfield or wherever they're practicing or now at anderson that's grass westfield that sports park Grant Sports Park is a grass field. I think it's grass, isn't it? Yeah, so that's that's why it's not it's not the training staff. And in years past, I've said these guys aren't ready to go, and they spend. And I've actually been saying this lately. Watch uh, when I've been commentating uh, college football games. When I was playing football, and I sound like one of those old man stories. When I played football in a uniform last was in the marine corps but what i'll talk about is high school football in 2002 that's 17 years ago is the last year i played high school football okay 17 years ago no one sat on the bench unless you were injured and you couldn't stand and now on the sideline and now in the nfl in college football particularly high level college football I see skill players, quarterbacks sitting on their duff, not necessarily being coached up, not necessarily being treated. They're just sitting down between possessions. And I personally feel that has more to do with injuries than not being ready, because I think your whole job is to be ready and that they probably are ready. And I think there is some correlation between the turf type and sitting down, getting cold is a real deal thing. And think about, I've said before, these guys are basically Olympic athletes. Think about getting warmed up to play a game. 
you go out and you run three plays and your team punts, and then the opposing offense has the ball for a half an hour, you're not warm anymore. And keep doing that over and over and over for 16 games. Tell me you're not going to have a hamstring injury playing on turf. So that's the reality is, uh, especially with young players, it's getting your body used to the turf type, getting used to harder, faster, stronger. Thank you, Kanye. Um, but yeah, the, the reality is, um, I don't think it's like trainers. I don't think it's on them. And we did, for the record, we did see less uh, soft tissue injuries, but we just had a bunch of season-ending injuries and a bunch of nagging injuries on guys that weren't. uh, And there were fluky injuries, too. That's the craziest thing. There's just, uh, there's something to be said for not having, I don't know, your three best pass catchers and your second round draft pick pass catcher. Um, and then your, well, three of your four best plus your second round. So your best five players on offense that catch the ball missed most of the games. So there's something to be said there. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I think Jacoby will be the starter next year and he'll be what we call like a bridge quarterback. Just he'll play until the, the guy they pick up Jordan love or Anthony Gordon, even, um, and that kind of lead, leads me to, and I think that's a good point is that like, I, I am the same, regardless of who they pick, I think to come the starting quarterback next year. Oh yeah. And they're going to give this guy a chance to sit down. Like if you're telling me the Colts are going to trade up to, you know, six or seven and cost themselves, you know, two second round picks to move up that high to take Jordan love. You know, unless you think that he is Patrick Mahomes, if you think he's just a slight upgrade over Jacoby Reset, then you don't make that trade. And right. you take the best player that falls you at 13, and you take Anthony Gordon around like, late round two or round three. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way you do it. Like, But, yeah, it's just so many variables. It'll, it'll be interesting how it all plays out. Absolutely. And for those of you still listening, uh, it is an hour and 45 minutes into an episode. Um, in order to further facilitate uh, my working knowledge of the draft eligible players, uh, I have started, and obviously it's something I've always wanted to do, I have started doing commentary, uh, play-by-play commentary on an app that's blowing up called Hot Mike, H-O-T-M-I-C, iPhone or Android, you can download it. We're top 100 most downloaded apps for the month of December now. Um, and I get, the only way I get paid to do this, I have made $91 and I have worked eight games, I believe. Um, only way I get paid is if when you download the Hot Mike app, if you use my code, Jared. J-A-R-E-D-317. And then if you follow me on the app under the Broadcasters tab, my last name is Malot. M-A-L-O-T-T. I get a dollar each time you do that. Tomorrow, so on New Year's Day, my wife has to work. So for those of you going to be like, man, do you ever talk to your wife? Yeah, I do when she's here. Um... 
tomorrow I'm going to be commentating uh, the Citrus Bowl and the Rose Bowl. So I'll be watching live uh, Oregon, Wisconsin, Alabama, Michigan. Um, and I'll be able to, to next week when we have our podcast, uh, we can then talk about what we've kind of seen this bowl season. Uh, and then remember here within the month, uh, we have the senior bowl, uh, which is January 25th, right? Yeah. It's, uh, coming up here in the middle of January. Yeah, Saturday, January 25th is the actual Senior Bowl. The week uh, leading up to the Senior Bowl, there's like a media day, there's practice days, and Stampede Blue is going to have guys in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. We'll be there on media day. Um, we have, a, there's a lot, of, I think this is, I would argue this is the most talented Senior Bowl uh, yeah. that, you, that you've seen in a long time. So this is like a true college all-star game um and we're gonna have let's see i know there's gonna be several guys from stampede blue there and then i am not gonna be one of those because it happens to fall on my daughter's birthday uh so i will not be going because i love my wife and i love my daughter and i like being married (laughs) i feel like that would be putting that in some kind of uh precarious situation if i skipped out on my daughter's birthday to go play go with you guys and hang out and i'll watch watch guys get sweaty and run around and hit each other (laughs) and 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 the reason i bring that up is because like we mentioned earlier every year for i think this is year four or it might be just year three and i'm i'm saying too much but every year uh stampede blue puts out uh, a draft guide uh, in PDF form. We sell it to you for five bucks, but it's the culmination of months of work between a dozen or more people. Uh, and then all of the data uh, Troy Russell takes a look at to give us some balance uh, between our numbers. And we present that to you the month of the draft. So you get a little head start. You get uh, a 1 through 20, usually a 1 through 20, uh, at every position. Uh, You get a big board. You get a projected draft out of each of us. You get team needs out of each of us. Um, We tell you how we did last year in the draft, uh, what what we thought was going to happen and what happened in the draft. Uh, and then we package it all. I do uh, the corroborating, the correlating, the collating of all that information. Uh, and that's part of the reason I started uh, take, doing commentary for college football games is so that I already know what those guys look like. I know what number they are. I, I watch them play live and talking about it when it's happening helps me recall that. Uh, so that when we move, as we move forward here, uh, Steve and I have talked about uh, continuing our podcast uh, in the off season because I think there is enough that happens, um, if not week to week, maybe every other week uh, during the off season. As you've all figured out, we can talk for hours. 
yeah, we, we, we could sit here and do this all day. Um, but we want to make sure we let everyone know that uh, what was 25 straight weeks of podcasts, we took a break for Christmas. Hey, it's New Year's Eve and we're putting out a podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, but we're going to continue. Uh, obviously, we're going to continue. Why would we stop? But we're going to continue into the off offseason uh, to make this podcast for you. Um and we're an hour and 51 minutes in. You got anything else before you want to let them go? No, I'm just excited for uh, what 2020 has for the Colts. And uh, hopefully everybody has a happy, happy new year and be safe. And be sure to utilize Uber and Lyft if you're in a situation where that's needed. Uh, but be safe. Have a happy new year, everybody. And we look forward to uh, hearing from everybody and seeing the comments. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and wherever you listen to podcasts and then uh, we will uh, take your feedback and try to implement the show as best we can absolutely and as we said earlier uh, if you're interested in interacting with us of course we'd appreciate that you review our podcast that you rate our podcast if you're able that rating helps us um, maybe we can you know one of my goals has become to be absolved absorbed by ESPN Indianapolis uh and pat mcafee runs the show and we our podcast uh gets syndicated um of course that's a pipe dream but the only way that ever happens everybody started out somewhere yeah the only way that ever happens is if you rate us comment share us uh tell people hey you guys should search spotify for afternoon pancakes hey siri Afternoon Pancakes, episode 26, right? And then what we also want to make sure is if you want to interact with us, if you listen to this podcast and you have questions, comments, concerns, anything but insults, you can always... And even those are accepted. And even insults, as long as they're classy, I'll take those. Um, Or even classless. I've had worse. Um, At Likely Alien... L-I-K-E-L-Y-A-L-I-E-N. And then at Nice Read, R-E-E-D, Steve, S-T-E-V-E, on Twitter and Instagram. But who cares at this point? Um, But yeah, if you've got questions after you listen to this episode, uh, if you want to tell us, hey, you should have cut that into two, uh, probably going to tell you. It's not as easy when you don't live in the same state to get this done every week, but we did it 25 weeks in a row. So (laughs) we're making it happen, baby. Um, But we appreciate all of the support that we've gotten so far. Uh, And I'm, I'm one of those people. One season does not a career make. And that what is far more important is that the future's bright. The Colts have a similar opportunity that they did last year where they just have a ton of draft capital uh, and they have a ton of cap space and they have a ton of team needs. And so I expect a lot of turnover. I expect a lot of new players. They don't have as many team needs, I don't think, but they've got a ton of capital and both money in the draft. Yeah. And the future is looking bright, even though this year went unexpected. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, this has been Afternoon Pancakes, episode 26. Uh, and as Stephen Reed said here, be careful tonight. 
be careful every night, but get a ca- get a taxi, get a Uber, get a Lyft, call phone a friend, don't call me. Um ha- you know, and like I said, have a good time, keep your head up. I know there's a lot of people out there that are sad uh about the way the Colts uh season went, but you can't let that affect your daily life. It's just a game, man and or lady. Um and I think that there are brighter days ahead. I think that we have the right leadership in place. I think we have a lot of a lot of really good pieces in place. And that look at the San Francisco 49ers and how they just came out of left field, right? Um, that's kind of the trajectory um, I see the Colts. One one of these years, it's just going to go right. Um, and I think that's a good place to end it. Happy holidays, everybody. And we'll see you next year. Har, har. Happy New Year.